Amen. June 30th of this year, after 9-11, became the saddest and most deadliest day for firefighters in the United States. That was the day that 19 firefighters of this elite squad called the Hot Shots, the Granite Mountain Hot Shots, lost their lives as they were fighting a fire in central Arizona, not far from Prescott. They were overcome by the flames. And they were doing their job in that a couple days earlier, a lightning strike, it hit in a very dried out part of central Arizona on this hill called Yarnell Hill. And what started out as a little half-acre fire quickly turned into a 200-acre fire. That's why they're called wildfires, I guess. And this particular squad, their job was to secure the south side of the hill. And things looked good because the wind was blowing north. So that expansion, that rapid expansion, was towards the north. But then, as the weather services articulated, a wind event occurred. The wind shifted direction and started to move southward right to where these hot shots, the Granite Mountain squad, were, were trying to secure this border. And so trying to make it back to their safety zone, uh, you know, the, the report said that the flames doubled and tripled in size. It says that the speed doubled and tripled, so now the fire was moving 10 to 12 miles an hour. And um, the headquarters, the main command there, lost communication with them. Their last communication was, hey, we are deploying our shelters, our fire shelters. And as David would explain it to us, they're these kind of silver uh, sleeping bag looking things you get inside of to withstand the heat. David mentioned his equipment could withstand 450 degrees, but the flames at that point were over 2,000 degrees, and so all 19 of them succumbed. Now, I tell that story because I am just drawn to, I always wonder what kind of person is it that becomes a firefighter? What kind of person is it that becomes an elite firefighter and says, I want to risk my life so that others can live? And I've found that these guys lived by a certain code. In fact, they lived under a certain mandate, actually. They lived under a certain mandate. And mandate is just another word for a command. In fact, literally, it means placing in the hand of someone. So it's like a mandate is like when someone places in your hand the marching orders. What was the mandate they were under? Well, simply speaking, the mandate that they were under... The oath that they took as firefighters was to obey their superiors and then to protect the citizens that they were responsible for by using their firefighting duties. That's kind of the essence of the oath that they took. They had a mandate that day on June 30th. Their mandate was to secure the southern part of this fire so that it would not spread. But as you read the 19 obituaries of these young people, you come across an unofficial mandate, and really we'd call it a motto. And the motto, I don't know if this is firefighter-wide, I'd be interested in hearing from David, but at least with this crew of hotshots, trained especially in wildfires, their motto was, I would rather die in my boots than work in a suit. This came up over and over again in their obits. The family would say, well, you know, what's his name? He signed up for this. And this is what he lived by. I would rather die in my boots than live in a suit or work in a suit. In other words, really expressing this incredible desire for adventure, a quest for 
uh, adventure and a quest for kind of a transcendence, living for something greater than maybe what the rest of us might live in. So they lived by this mandate. And so as a way of inviting you indeed to this event we're having next weekend, World Mandate, but really more importantly, to help you ascertain what is God's mandate for my life or what do mandates from God look like when God is speaking to me about what he wants me to do and be, we're going to look at the mandate that Paul had received from God. Now, we all know, and as John even referred to, uh, world mandate, you know, we have this incredible command from Jesus as he is uh, after his resurrection and he's being brought up to heaven. He says, go, make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them all to obey all that I've commanded you. We all live under this great corporate mandate, this command from God. But in order to fulfill that corporately, God speaks to you, he speaks to me, and he gifts us differently. We're this incredible body, like we talked about two weeks ago, and we each have different parts of that mandate to fulfill. So what I want to do is I want to look at this hiccup. It's actually a total hiccup in Scripture. Paul hiccups, and out comes 13 verses, where he just explains, hey, by the way, this is what God's called me to do. This is kind of the exact thing, this very precise thing that God has has invited me to do as part of this larger mandate. Here is God's mandate on my life. Ready for this one? Why don't we all stand up? We're going to look at the screen, and let's read Ephesians 3, 1 to 13. And some of you think I have problems with being distracted. Paul gets pretty distracted because he's about to pray, and then he just goes off on his tangent for 13 verses. And by the way, this is why I'm here, okay? So see that little dash there? That's Paul interrupting himself because he gets distracted because he's that kind of distractible wild man, okay? <laughs> so I'm talking about the man who 2,000 years ago was the one God chose to really shed, spread this good news. So let's read this all together in unison. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. That's funny, briefly. Anyways, four. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets, speaking of himself and his colleagues, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, This grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
in Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Amen. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Amen. Be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what I want to outline for you, and you can follow along in your green insert is, I want to look at seven characteristics of a mandate from God. And the goal here is to help you to discern, as God is calling me to be, all that He's calling me to be and do, what are some things that I can look for? What are some, some uh, common denominators, maybe, in mandates or commands from God? So as we just read, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, Paul is writing from prison, and he is uh, about to interrupt himself with this call from God, as he does. And here it goes. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. And I want to pause right there and say, what is the first mark of a command from God for you? It is that that command will be for the sake of others. Okay, if you're following along in that green sheet, that first one is for others. When God gives you a command, when he's inviting you to participate in his purposes, it's going to be so that others can benefit. I love learning about an organization that I'm just getting to know, and it's called World Relief. World Relief was actually started at Park Street Church in Boston right after World War II. And World Relief, they had the uh, presence of mind and I guess the spirit of God in them that after World War II, they realized that churches, the church in Europe, was ravished. And where many of us in America were probably seething with anti German or anti this or that sentiments, the the founders of World Relief had the presence of mind to say, hey, we're all part of the church here. The body of Christ is the body of Christ everywhere. Germany is ravaged with its own problems, and let's go see where we can help. And it kind of set the tone for World Relief, because if you look at World Relief's, uh, just their mission and their vision, they want to go to the places where there's the most pain so they can provide the most relief. And so I'm thinking about one project they do in Cambodia. And that project involves equipping the local church, Cambodian churches. Actually, it's a Cambodian cell church that they're working with, you know, that largely meets more house to house. They've equipped them to go and find, locate, and help those people who are, have been diagnosed with HIV AIDS. Because don't you know in Cambodia, I mean, as it is here, that, that, there's a stigma. You know, if we find out that someone has HIV AIDS, there's a stigma there, but man, it's like times 10 in Cambodia in that culture. If you have AIDS, there's a stigma. And so a lot of people remain hidden and don't get the help they need. Well, World Relief has said, we want to be where that pain is. We want to go where people are hurting and dying the most. I love that about World Relief. So when God gives us a mandate, it's going to be for others. The people at World Relief have realized there's a call in our lives to go where the pain's the most, where it's the most intense. And man, that's just one story of what they're doing all over the world. It's wonderful. It's going to be for others. Everyone say others. Okay, the, the gift that God gives you ultimately, and whether that means that you are um, in a dentist's office helping people with their teeth, or whether you are writing plays or shooting video, or you are going overseas to help those with HIV AIDS, ultimately it is for others. Amen? Amen. Let's look at some other things. Let me start back at two, and I'll just walk through three. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me, Paul, for you. 
And here it is. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I've already written briefly. The second characteristic of a call that has come to you from God, a mandate, something that makes you say, I'd rather die in my boots than live in a suit. I'd rather spend myself doing this. You're going to notice that it's going to be by revelation. Okay? By revelation. In other words, we believe that God can speak today and that he does so. And he's going to draw you, probably that, that, that still small voice that we speak of sometimes, that um, God will draw you to what it is that he has called you to do. This week I was on the hill, the holy hill of Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. <laughs> what a holy hill it is. But I ran into Charity. Charity Parsons, one of our seminarians here. And uh, just had a tender moment where we, how the conversation unfolded was, isn't it amazing how God speaks to us when we're young? And that for those of you who have been walking with the Lord since a young age, you may relate, and that is that even when I was in elementary school, even when I was a teenager, God was speaking to me. This is what Charity was saying. And Charity has discerned that there is a call on her life to be someone who heals other people. And then I've just mentioned to her, yeah, I think, I was kind of reflecting back to her what I sense from being around her. I feel like you just have this Isaiah 61 calling. And those verses refer to the verses that Jesus said about himself when he said, the spirit of the Lord's on me. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Why? To preach good news to the poor? To, someone help me out. Uh, Bind the brokenhearted. There's the second part. Bind up the brokenhearted. That's, that's where we hit the jackpot there. Ding, ding, ding. With charity. She's called to bind up the brokenhearted. Uh, release for the prisoners. Um, freedom for the captives. Release from darkness for the prisoners. And that just resonated. And actually, I, I could see the, the eyes get moist a little bit because that is exactly what God's been speaking to her ever since she was a teenager. There's an inward draw. And I want to say to you, in you, there's an inward draw to do something good for others I guarantee it's not the devil. It's probably God calling you to do something. You know what I'm saying? So as you walk with the Lord, you can start to trust that inner voice. And please, I want to especially include, and I have a heart in saying that to make sure and include those who don't feel specifically compelled to get on the airplane and go to Cambodia today. Maybe you feel called to help other people get their finances straight. Maybe you do feel called to the medical profession. Maybe there's a story inside you that needs to come out in film or in theater or through photographs. And I'm saying if there's a draw and it's, it's going to benefit some people, it's probably God. See, we walk by revelation. Now, of course, you want to have wisdom. You want to submit it to counsel. You want to walk with trusted brothers and sisters. But as you do that, as you share with people, this is what I believe God's calling me to do. What do you think? Man, God wants to unfold it. But it does come by revelation. And for sure we know that in Paul's life. Because remember, what was Paul doing before he had this revelation? He was killing Christians, right? That's probably not God, right? He was, he was full of a religious zeal. Here's the scary part. He was full of a religious zeal to persecute and kill Christians. But then he had a revelation. Now, you and I might not get kicked off our horses like Paul did. We may not have the heavens open up as Paul did. It probably corresponds with the kind of weight of his call. But we all, if you have asked Jesus into your heart, then you have the Holy Spirit inside you, and he speaks to you, and he wants to direct you, and you can trust those drawings. Amen? So mandate from God also comes by revelation. So that means when Neil comes around and says, 
We need you to go to Egypt. If you're not feeling it, then don't go. Because the worst thing you can do is go to Egypt and have a miserable time because you're not inwardly drawn by God, right? You have to have that inward draw. Amen? Okay, by revelation. Third thing. Let's um, pick up in, th- in four here. Uh, we'll go four through six. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. And notice in this passage, he mentions three times this word mystery. What is he talking about? Let's find out. In reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men and other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, in other words, the non-Jews, they are heirs together with Israel, with the Jews, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Okay, we have to remember how radical, how new, how fresh this idea was. Anyone who studied half as much as Paul, remember Paul was a Jew, he, was a, you know, he studied in the, in the Torah, and anyone who is half as studied as he was in the law, the Torah, would have known that God did have a plan for the Gentiles, that eventually, somehow, the non-Jews would be included in the whole God story. The big question was, how in the world is God going to do it? We don't know. So then comes this Jesus thing. Then comes this crazy, like, son of God, son of man thing, this crucifixion, this resurrection, and then this whole idea that, guess what? These non-Jews, we mentioned this two weeks ago, these non-Jews, they don't have to become Jewish to become followers of Jesus. They can just go straight to go. You know, they can collect their $200 and go there. They can just go right to Jesus. Amen? But you have to understand how fresh that was and how Paul... He became the, the, um, the voice for this thing that God was doing. And he, as you know, he was strongly opposed, I mean, to his death, right? He lost his life because of this new idea of what God was doing. So the third thing I want to mention is when God gives you a mandate, it's often marked by creativity. It's often marked by creativity. Everyone say creativity. Okay, there are problems in the church today. Yes, no, maybe. We're good. Okay, okay. I guess, yeah, there are problems. There are problems on the earth today. Okay? You have the solution. We have the solution because of the Spirit of God inside us. And God wants to do creative, wonderful things through you. There needs to be a yes in you so that these creative solutions to the church's problems and to the world's problems come forth. I just think, I mean, it starts in the home. All you moms here, you are challenged every day Here's the personality of my child. Here's our home. Here's our budget. Here's our time. How am I going to raise this kid up in the fear of the Lord? I'm telling you, moms, God's got creative solutions for you. He has the answer for you to help run your household well in Jesus' name. And I'm not trying to be sexist. So parents, okay, parents together, God's got solutions for how you're going to do this thing. I think of Peter Vance, who's, who's not here right now. There's Julie and his brother Boozy are here. But Peter's right now, we have prayed for him in this service. He was a he was a Gordon student, but he felt so compelled by this world mandate, not the event, but God's desire to reach the gospel, that he's actually taken time off from school to do this missions training school called YWAM. And what I love about Peter is he has a little vision. He's got a vision on how we can solve a little problem. And that problem is that some of his friends in Madagascar are men who can't find a job. And um, he knows that with with a relatively small amount of cash, with about $1,000, he, 
he can get these men and forgive me, which, which, which plant is it or which? I think it's not the tamarind, it's something else. What is it? Clove. All right, so a clove. You know, you get excited, you put those little cloves in your ham, tastes good. All right, so I guess it's a little, it's a little shrub, isn't it? I don't know what a clove looks like in its plant form, but I know what it looks like when it tastes good on Thanksgiving. But, so cloves, with about $1,000, Peter can give seeds for cloves so that men who are jobless and unable to feed their families can take care of some cloves. There's a great market for it in that part of the world where the, the, now these, these uh, men can have dignity because they'll have something to do for their family. They'll be able to make money so they can exist. They can participate in the economy. And, and not to mention, there's this whole spiritual piece of it where people can be discipled not only ministry-wise, but also he can, there's a platform to share the gospel. When you, when you give someone hope and life again, man, you got a platform to share about the giver of life, don't you? $1,000, one person's idea, and we can see a whole group of people transform. Peter, how old is he? I don't know, 18, 20? One little guy with a little vision. God wants to do that through you, okay? There are solutions that you have by the Spirit that this world needs, and there are creative things that he wants to do. So God wants to give a mandate. I think of any church plant, okay? Any church plant needs to be a creative thing. You know, our, our movement, CFI, and the larger movement, Antioch, we are marked by this church planting thing. And Anytime we start a church, it's got to be a creative thing. I want to tell you about my friend Jess Boja. Jess is a recent graduate of Gordon-Conwell. I'm actually really sad he's not in our movement because it would have been really fun. But Jess said, hey, God's called me to plant a church in Maryland. And um, one thing that I noticed when we were planting our church starting in 07, 08 was I, I had the nagging feeling of, um, okay, Lord, this is cool. Uh, you know, fall of 2007, I'm looking at some of the guys who are with us in fall of 2007, David, Joe, others. Uh, we had a great little time of gathering where Sunday nights we would just meet in, in, in um, 16 Atlantic Ave. number three, and we would just kind of cast vision. It was very organic and wonderful. But when we transitioned then in January to having this service, I started to feel like, man, as a church planter, I feel like instead of inviting people into relationship with Jesus, most of my energy is come to our event, Okay. Come to our Sunday morning because that's what's up. Now, I have no problems with what we do on Sunday. I feel like God's called us to do this. We gather, we worship, we give him glory. This is church. This is definitely not all that church is, but it's a huge part of it. So enter back Jess Boja. Jess Boja, excuse me. He goes to Maryland, and he's got a vision to plant a church. You know what he does for the first year? The first year on the ground in, in um, the city that they're in in Maryland, he says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start a nonprofit. We're going to feed the hungry. We are going to give clothes to the naked. We're going to help those who can't help themselves. And for a year, he is just affecting the community in that way by bringing positive change to people who need help. So don't you know that a year later, when he's ready to open the doors at the church, people are dying to get in because they want to know, who is this God that loves people like you love us? Who is this Jesus who has motivated you to serve us in such a tender way? And I thought, that's it. That's the creative, that is one really creative way to plant a church. You see what I'm saying? So God works through you and me, and he wants to bring creative solutions to problems. Amen. Okay, isn't that exciting? That fires me up. I don't know. We've got some church planters in here, but I just, I just say, yes, amen. Every community needs a new approach. So Lord, give it to us. Okay. Fourth thing. Uh, let's keep going. Verses 7 and 8. 
Actually, I'll read 7 through 9. We're going to pull out a few things. So, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all people, all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles, right, the non-Jews, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. The fourth thing that you'll notice about a mandate from God is that it requires His power. I think we have that. Do we have P there? Is there a P there? Power. Okay, so it requires His power, and it's beyond your natural abilities. Doesn't that make you feel comfortable? (laughs) Okay, when God invites you to, when He gives you a command, when He gives you a mandate, it's probably going to be outside of your natural abilities, and it's going to require some reliance on His power. I don't hear too many amens on that one, all right? Because we're used to getting our education, getting our funds, figure it all out, and I'll do this thing. But in a very real way, God wants you to rely on Him, cooperate with Him, let Him be the leader, and He gets all the glory. Amen? That's how He's designed it. And this is not new to Scripture. What did Moses say when God says, I'm choosing you, Moses, to deliver my people from Egypt? What did Moses say? Great, I'm ready. I've got my PhD in deliverance, and I've got a travel agent right here, and we'll make our way. No, what did he say? Moses said, yeah, I can't do it. And his particular fear was, it was public speaking, right? He said, ah, I can't do this. You're crazy. Fast forward, Judges, Judges 6. Do you remember the story of Gideon, right? God wants to defeat his enemies. He wants to use the strongest most powerful, most good-looking person in all Israel. Is that who he chooses when he chooses Gideon? No, by his own admission, Gideon says, I'm the least, and I'm the, I'm the least of the least. And so uh, um, Paul here, I don't think it's false humility. He's saying, I really am less than the least of all the people here. And I, man, I feel like Paul a lot. When I just look at your lives, when I think of how you walk with the Lord, I think, man, they're on fire. Wow. She's really got a grace on her life, and I, I just can relate. I don't think Paul is, is just being hyperbolic, hyperbolic here. He's saying, I really feel like the least, of, the least of all God's people, but God shows me to do this one thing, so I'm going to do it, okay? So listen, you need his power. That orphanage in India you've dreamed of opening, it's going to take his power. That church plant in an urban area that you've dreamed about, that's going to take his power. That theatrical work, the story that needs to be told, that you want to share, it's going to be His power that's going to do it, okay? We need to not be uncomfortable with the fact that it's going to require God's power. And hopefully, just in our day-to-day, in our homes, we already feel that, you know? For the mandates that we have from God, you know, in our home, we've got a mandate to love our roommate, to love our spouse, right? Ask Kelsey, does she need help from God to love this man? You know she does, all right? She has to rely on the power of God a lot, all right? Maybe you in your singleness, you need to rely on the power of God because you're, you're just overcome by the loneliness at times. So if your call now is singleness, then the party just says, God, I need your power here because it hurts too much. I'm too lonely. So relying on the power of God, it starts in the home. And then it goes to everything vocational that God's calling you to do. Okay, moving along here. The fifth thing is this, uh, from verses 8 and 9. Um, Let's just look at 8 and 9 again. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me 
to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. All right, so what in the world is Paul talking about? So I would say that whatever mandate you get from God, it will eventually serve the gospel, okay? If you're following along, it will eventually serve the gospel. Gospel is meaning good news, right? And so Paul's kind of broken it down to two things. And for those of you who are with us at our Ready, Set, Serve uh, volunteer, sorry, servant training time, uh, I'm, I'm borrowing from Charlie Halley, who's another leader in our movement. But so this grace was given to me, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. So there's this idea of message, right? Maybe you're a message person. Like your job is to bring the message of the good news. You like to share the gospel. You like to pray for people who are sick. You want to start this orphanage, right? You're going to do the message piece. But equally as important, and what often gets overlooked in the body of Christ, is the second part, which is, and make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. And again, borrowing from Charlie here, that word administration it's um, oikosnomia. The Greek is oikosnomia. Oikos, besides being that really cool Greek yogurt that Danon has come up with to fight Chibani, uh, oikos means household, nomia means management. And so managing the house is important to God, okay? And some of you have very good managing skills, right? Just like in this house, our systems, how we welcome our visitors, how we have food, how we set up the chairs, these things matter to God. How we set up the lights, they matter because God wants us to manage the household well. Some of you have skills managing finances, managing the household that are needed, and I love you, <laughs> and we need you, and the church needs you, no matter what kind of church you're in, right? right? People ask me, house church or community church or mega church? What's my answer? My answer is yes, okay? I don't care. You know, house church, biblical. Community church, biblical. Mega church can be biblical, all right? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, but, but whatever size the household is, it needs to be managed well to the glory of God so everyone's playing a part. Amen? So whatever God's giving you to do, that mandate, it's going to serve the gospel. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's keep going. Six and seven, these are kind of fun. Uh, so, let's, yeah, keep going. Uh, verse 10. His intent was that now. So God's intent was that now. This gets really can someone start some, like, Star Wars music? Or This really gets cosmic and woo. Maybe, you know. Anyways. All right. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Old. And does anyone relate with Close Encounters of the Third Kind? There you go. Okay. Okay. All right. <clears throat> His intent was that now through the church, the manifold or the multifaceted, just think of a diamond and all of its facets, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to whom? the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a really fun one. No matter how small or no matter how insignificant you think your little mandate is, your little command that God's given you, it is intended to wow the cosmos, okay? It is intended to wow the cosmos. And what I mean by that is the water cooler conversation in heaven where the angels are chilling out or for that matter, the water cooler conversation in hell which, as someone joked in the prayer meeting today, that water cooler probably doesn't work in hell. But, okay, all right. So, should have saved that one for the prayer meeting, I guess. I stay there. All right. So, what I'm saying is when angels and demons are talking about this, that, and the other, they're talking about you. And they're talking about, isn't that amazing? So, let's just do the heaven one because the hell one's a little grotesque. Imagine angels in heaven, they're thinking, wasn't that great, that song that Jenna wrote? 
that song that God worked through Jenna, wasn't that great that when people started to worship, they encountered the presence of God? That's the water cooler conversation in heaven. What God is doing through you is actually wowing the cosmos. Moms, right? When you are loving your child and it's taking everything out of you to do it and you think of a new pattern, this is when we're going to change the diapers and this is when we're going to actually feed and this is wonderful. Man, the angels in heaven are saying, hey, man, look at the character of God being formed in her. It's awesome. Wasn't that cool? When, you know, wasn't that cool when Jeremy was walking his dog down the beach and then he got in a conversation with a buddy and then soon that conversation turned into this great relationship of uh, guys coming to Christ. It's amazing. I'm just referring to a little story um, that some of us have heard. My point is, is that um, it's not too small what God's called you to do. It's wonderful. Okay, it's going to wow the cosmos. And finally, let's look at verse 13 or 12 and 13. In him... And through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Okay, praise God. And then 13, remember Paul is writing from prison, and he says, I ask you, therefore, don't be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, because they are your glory. All right? Don't be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, because my sufferings are actually your glory. The seventh thing that often marks a mandate from God, a command from him, is that it will involve sacrifice and it will involve suffering. Okay, there's always an invitation to follow our Lord. Jesus suffered, and life came out. He said it best in John, in John uh, 12, I believe, where he says, hey, unless a grain falls to the ground and dies, it can't bear fruit. And the reality is, in your and my lives, the best things, the things that are going to come out the best are going to be, there's a piece of it is some death so that others can live, okay? The 19 men of the Granite Mountain Hotshots, they went up on a mountain because the citizens, there were two towns, one to the northeast and one to the southeast of this Yarnell Hill, and they were, they needed their property and their lives to be defended, and these 19 hotshots took that upon themselves. They ended up paying the ultimate sacrifice. Moms, every day, you pay the ultimate sacrifice. There are people who need you to respond to the mandate of God, even though it costs you something. And it will cost you something. But this is where I think that little mandate, that unofficial model that these guys had, is really touching something universal in all of us. And that is, wouldn't we rather die in our boots than just live in our suits? Wouldn't we all rather spend our lives doing something worthwhile, although it, it takes our lives for some of us, although it costs us something? Wouldn't we rather die in our boots, than just live in our suits. That's the call from God today. And that's often what the mandate of God will look like. It's serious, but there's nothing better. Amen? There's nothing better. So the thing is, I, we, what we need is we need not just a few people at the harbor to say yes to the command that God's given them, but we need the whole team. We need every single one of you saying yes to the command that God gives. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And I want to give you a gift, as we often give, And that is just 30 seconds of, Lord, what are you saying to me? What mandate? You know, some of you are very clear. You know exactly why God's put you here on this earth, and you're right in it, and that's great. Other of you, this is a whole new topic, and you just need, you know, God, speak to me. And and, and some of you maybe need to check, hey, I'm, I'm making progress towards here. I feel like this is what God's called me to do. And now that you have kind of a little litmus test from Paul's mandate, you can say, how's this lining up? And 
What are the implications there? And I don't claim to have easy answers for that as you process that. Uh, you know, let that be a conversation that you have with other brothers and sisters, with those who, whom you trust and whatnot. But let's just pray for a second and be quiet for a few seconds and invite the Lord in. <coughs> Father, thank you that you have made every single person in this room in your image. Male and female, you've created us. And in our maleness, in our femaleness, and in our personhood, we gloriously reflect the character of God. And Lord, we believe that for each one of us, we have a mandate. And really, over the course of our lifespan, we have multiple mandates that God gives us, multiple commands that he invites us into obedience to. Lord, and we believe that really your commands to us represent the best possible life we could live. It doesn't feel that way all the time, and there's a lot of death involved that can feel. It can be overwhelming at times. Lord, we trust you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd show for each one of us here what is that cause, what is that mandate that will enable us to say, I would rather die in my boots doing that than just living in the suit of some other life that some other one is telling me to live. So Holy Spirit, we just wait on you for a moment. Speak to us in our quietness. So as you're processing, why don't we all stand up? Just going to return in worship of our King. <clears throat>